2: Welcome. Welcome to Fearless with Jason Whitlock. I am Jason Whitlock. Thanks for joining us on this day before Friday. And you know what today is, Jim? What's today, Jay? Football. It's football day. It's the birth of the NFL 2021 season. It is. It's one of the greatest days of the year, or used to be before the NFL went completely woke. Uh, but I got to admit, I'm kind of fired up. Cowboys, Buccaneers tonight. Thursday night football. Are you ready for some football?
0: Eh. Yeah. Come on, man. I, I, Tom Brady, Dak Prescott, and you gonna end? Because I'm, I'm, I'm afraid what they might do, man. I, I'm afraid what they might do. What, what woke message they might come across? This. Th- I'm gonna be honest with you, man. I mean, Y'all you got, got you
2: me. I didn't watch a lot of preseason football. You're right. Uh, Listen, we have a fantastic show. We're gonna start by talking some football with LeVar Arrington, one of the greatest college football players of all time. Terrific NFL player as well, friend of the program. We'll get to him in just a few minutes. Uh, We're also gonna roll out of Chicago, talk to Greg Couch. He's written a hell of a piece about Nike and their destruction of athletes and Naomi Osaka being added to uh, Nike's body count. Uh, Uncle Jimmy, has some headlines he's gonna go over with me and a little new little twist and segment. Uh, But first, you know what I like to do. I like to start fires. And let's start an NFL fire. The list of quarterbacks with contracts inferior to Dak Prescott's is long and accomplished. Tom Brady and his seven Super Bowl titles are on the list. So are Aaron Rodgers and his three MVP trophies. Ed Ben Roethlisberger and his two Super Bowl rings. Russell Wilson's on the list. Matt Ryan and his MVP trophy, they're there too. In five NFL seasons, Dak Prescott won a playoff game once, beating the Seahawks in a wild card game three years ago. That completes his list of amazing accomplishments and justifies his status as the third highest paid player in the league. Only Kansas City quarterback Patrick Mahomes 45 million, and Buffalo quarterback Josh Allen, 43 million, earn more than the $40 million average the Cowboys will pay Prescott over the next four seasons. When the Cowboys kick off the NFL season tonight facing Brady's Tampa Bay Buccaneers, Prescott will walk out of the locker room feeling the full weight of a contract that says he can single-handedly turn a loss into a victory. But can he? Does anyone really believe Dak Prescott is as potent a force as Mahomes, Rogers, Brady, Wilson, or even Josh Allen? No one believes that, nor should they. Prescott is a solid franchise quarterback, playing for an owner desperate to prove his former coach wasn't the brains behind the Cowboys' 1990s dynasty. Prescott is overpaid because Jerry Jones is still locked in a feud with Jimmy Johnson over credit. Desperation compromises decision-making. It turns hoes into housewives, Mm. reality TV stars and dementia patients into presidents, and average quarterbacks into lottery winners. This past offseason, Prescott hit the jackpot, baiting Jones into a $160 million contract for production that wanted half of that. I'm not mad at Dak. He and his agent, Todd French, should be congratulated for playing Jones like turntables at an old school rap concert. DTMD, AKA Dak and Todd making dollars. Oh, God. They kept it strictly business, Jim. Oh, <laughs> God. They completed it. unfinished business, conducted <laughs> business as usual, remembered that business is never personal. And now they're back in business. Did you catch all of those, my references? Yes. To the first five albums of the iconic rap group EPMD? If not, you get the Bozak. All right, but let me get back to Dak. He's gonna learn that life as a $40 million quarterback is more difficult than life as the underdog overachiever. The 2016 fourth round draft pick was a feel-good story when as a rookie he replaced injured Tony Romo and led the Cowboys to a 13-3 regular season. Everybody loved Dak's underdog story. And for the next four years, the media rooted for Dak to become the next Tom Brady, Russell Wilson, or Joe Montana, late-round quarterbacks who became superstars. Instead, Dak has more in common with Kirk Cousins, Matt Hasselbeck, and Mark Brunel. Late-round quarterbacks who who are or were solid NFL starters. Dak is no longer being paid to be solid though. His contract demands that he be great. Happiness is based on expectations. The same people who have been satisfied with Dak's solid performance will now be disappointed when the third highest paid player remains a solid quarterback. The list of disappointed people will include Dak's 52 teammates, Excuse another rap analogy, but Prescott will be known this year as the notorious D.A.K. More money, more problems. You're nobody until your teammates kill you. Wow, bro. Starting tonight <clears throat> against the defending Super Bowl champion Buccaneers, Dak's teammates will expect him to be worth an additional touchdown. Aaron Rodgers is going to make 33 million this season. His Packers teammates believe he's worth every dime because they believe he's a touchdown better than every quarterback, not named Mahomes, Brady, or Wilson. Do The Cowboys believe that about Dak? Everybody always wants more money. Few people want or can deal with the extra responsibility that goes along with more money. Most people make excuses. Most people collapse beneath the weight of heightened expectations. Oh, they have occasional moments of greatness. But the day-to-day grind of greatness eventually grinds them out. That's what I expect to happen to Dak over the next two seasons. $40 million is too much weight for Dak Prescott. His teammates will be the first to see it. Initially, they're gonna grab the bar and help him lift all that weight. It won't take long for their agents, friends, wives, and girlfriends to say, why are you helping him all the time? He's supposed to be helping you. Mm. He's making $40 million. Mm. Once that happens, the feel good story will disappear. NFL reporters won't be able to ignore the whispers among agents and Dax teammates that the Cowboys employ an overpaid quarterback. Because of the salary cap, being an overpaid player is far worse than being a bad player. You can bench a bad player. An overpaid teammate? He costs you money. Dak Prescott would be a far better quarterback if he had the same contract as Tom Brady. Brady's worth whatever he demands. He's on a two-year deal that will pay him $50 million. Brady gets it. In order for Dak to win in the postseason, Dallas needs a defense that equals its offense. Cowboys don't have that. Can't afford it. To win consistently, they're going to have to score 30 points per game. That pressure is going to crush Dak Prescott. Mmm! Now, that's a fire. That's fire.
0: That's nice. That's nice.
2: That's all you got. Let me go go out to LA.
0: That's nice.
2: Uh, Let's bring in LeVar Arrington. Uh, (laughs) LeVar, I made a lot of rap analogies. Yes, you did. More money, more problems.
0: Yeah, she did.
2: I, I want to start here and I want you know, is Dak under the most pressure is one question, but what do you think about my narrative that his teammates are going to look at him and judge him differently now that he's a forty million dollar man?
3: Well, I'll and tell you he, he will be judged differently, but I, I don't think it's necessarily from the 100% vantage point that you provided. I think a lot of times money money equals respect in, in locker rooms as well. So sometimes you may not live up to the expectation of what you are supposed to be as a football player, but nonetheless, your paycheck is still your paycheck. So you got to look at everything else that goes into play. It's not just what's going on on the field with, it's the type of car he's driving. It's the type of events that he's going to, or the type of events that he's he's participating in, the people that are around him, the company that he's keeping. So you st- you know, when I was when I was the guy for Washington, when we flew to to games, I sat up front with with Dan Snyder and played chess with him on on the team plane. So there's levels to this, you know what I mean? And and so the, for what it's worth players will probably look to want to learn from Dak Prescott. Players will want to look to gain access through Dak Prescott. So he's the one that becomes the cool kid that might have not have told funny jokes, but everybody's laughing at it now. You know what I mean? And and it's just kind of one of those things. So I think there does come the amount of pressure in terms of being looked at as the franchise guy. But if there's an advantage that Dak Prescott has going into this season is he's already been the starting quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys and that in itself year by year is a ton of pressure. So if he can compartmentalize correctly and not make the money a part of what he is as a player, I mean, think about this. With you, you you, pointed out all the, the shortcomings and all the lack thereofs and why he shouldn't be and why he wouldn't be and why, he, you know, all these different, you know, stats and, and records and, and playoff births. But think about this. If he just got that contract doing all those things that you pointed out as obvious, right? Then he can only go up from here. Right? So now, if you're looking at the ceiling as being something different, his floor would have to be where he's at right now. Right? So if he if you're looking at what he's accomplished thus far and him getting the money that he's gotten, We can sit here and say, well, he's not deserving of the money, but you could also look at it and say, if he can accomplish more than what he's accomplished already, which is very possible in terms of winning. So now you're talking about, you can justify what it is that Dak Prescott is. So I think there's pressure on him, but the amount of pressure that I think people may be thinking he's under, I don't think he's under that pressure. They haven't won. They have that. He's won, but they haven't really won. And so to me, I think that he's in between that, like he's in that football purgatory type of space. He's in between good and bad. I'm not going to say he's good or great. I'm just not going to say he's bad or horrible either. So he has this opportunity this season with a healthy, seemingly healthy line outside of dealing with COVID protocol with Zach Martin. You have Lyell, you have Tyron. They're supposed to be ready to go. You have three of the best. You have a, a receiving core that can compete with the best of them. You're going against the number one receiving core in the Tampa Bay Bucks tonight. I think that this is a great opportunity, a great platform on national television, the only show in town tonight to set a statement in terms of how you should be viewed from what your floor is. I got paid off of the floor. I didn't get paid off my ceiling. I got paid off of the floor. And that's what separates and differentiates him from the Patrick Mahomes or the Russell Wilsons and all those guys you're naming. Those guys have won Super Bowls already. you know. So when you think about it from that standpoint, I mean, Russell Wilson has yet to get an MVP vote. Dak Prescott is ahead of Russell Wilson on that list. So we can pick and choose what makes the pressure the pressure. But when you think about it, I'm just saying, Jay Witt, He's actually in a position to, to look
0: like a gangster, like, like a real football goon Leverington. Yes. LaVarrienton. Ever yes. call Dak Prescott a gangster, a gangster. again. Man, <laughs> I will have you personally barred from this. Don't you he's ever call the him him? Jim, I'm going to tell you, the,
2: the telltale sign when LaVarrienton is out over his skis, it, with me, he always tries to talk long because he wants me to forget <laughs> some of the dumb <laughs> stuff he says along the way. He don't want me to push back. And so Come he just man. keeps talking and talking and talking. He did, but so so he Come didn't look man. at the monitor and see you nodding off? <laughs> <laughs> he didn't see Come you man. sitting up here? <laughs> no, he's, hope, he's hoping that's what will happen I'll because I'm going to go back to what he first said. <sighs> when he told the story about sitting in, up in the first class with Dan Snyder and playing chess, and you yep. know why your teammates didn't trip, Lavar? Because at wow. that time you were balling and nobody was questioning, oh, that's one of the best linebackers in the NFL. That's the, He's carrying our defense. He's the quarterback of our defense. He's the number he's one sitting,
0: draft pick. Yeah,
2: he's number two overall pick. He's sitting up there with Dan Snyder because he's supposed to be because he's playing at that level. Dak Prescott is the third highest paid player in the NFL. Where do you think he ranks in terms of production in the NFL, all positions? Not we know he's not a top five quarterback. You start to, the third highest paid player, LaVar. And you think some of these guys, a lot of these guys in this locker room gonna be like, hey, man, they paying you to win games and make a huge difference.
0: He ain't never been that guy, Lavar. That. And you but can't t- there's
2: guys that. in that locker room that's gonna have a problem if he's not a difference maker, a real difference maker this season.
3: Well, I mean, first thing I'll say is the ones that have the problems are the ones that have problems to begin with. You know, haters do exist in locker rooms as well. You know, there, there there's always there's always gonna be what 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 it there's for a Jesus, there's a – uh who who was the other guy that 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 sold him out? What was his Judas. name? Judas. Judas. You got to always have. You always have a Judas. Did he just? Yeah, he, he said Judas. was A
0: minister. What? What? what, what you who? Gotta, you got to always <laughs> have a
3: Judas in the locker room. <laughs> who was you know his daddy? Know what I mean? like, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Right. <laughs> what does daddy do? He sold cars. Moogla, Moogla. Anyway, uh, go, what I'm saying. Go is, ahead, is A hater, a hater is going to be a hater. All right. So if there's teammates in there that don't like his contract, it's just because they just didn't get that contract. It ain't that it's Dak. It's just that they didn't get that money. They didn't get that contract, but you're not a quarterback for the Dallas Cowboys and you're not Dak Prescott. So you went not go and get that contract anyway. But that's some of the fundamental things that some of these guys don't understand when they're playing in the game. They overvalue what their their position is or what their standing is sometimes. And you can run into trouble with, with those type of guys. Like it might be a, a guy who gets to the quarterback thinks he's worth that type of money. There might be a guy that catches the ball. He might think he's worth that money. Somebody who runs the ball. Somebody who blocks for him. Those are the people that are going to have issues with Dak Prescott's contract. But I don't think it's because they have an issue with him and his performance level because they ultimately play a part in that as well if they're going to win or lose.
2: Jimmy. Yeah, man. I never told you this story. I'm going to tell it now. <laughs> oh, so no. So We're doing Speak for Yourself. Okay. LeVar comes over to my house and says, You're giving Jimmy too much playing time. No, he didn't. Cut, yes, he did. He's mm-hmm. cutting into my airtime. Mm-hmm. If you gave Jimmy less airtime, you could give me more airtime. Okay. And so for this man to sit here and ask, <laughs> Any of these players that got a problem with the money Dax making, I mean, my God, they're just haters. Okay. As if there's no hate in LeVar's heart. As if he's never sat in the locker room and questioned the money that somebody's making. You know, I heard that the stories is about?
0: Yeah, that's true. You wait a Since true, we telling ha- stories, hold on, hold on. Since on we you, telling stories, can I, I tell ha- can, oh. I tell, can I tell a story about you? Can I tell? Can I tell story about you? Yeah, go ahead. Very now, this cool. here yeah. story happened when you was when you was leaving Fox. Yeah. When, when we didn't know if you was leaving or if you was coming back. Yeah. Okay. And LeVar, LeVar called, look at his face. LeVar <laughs> called me on a Sunday because he said, hey, man, you think that I'm going, they're going to call me to take Jason's spot? I said, LeVar. <laughs> now, that's a true story. I said, this man, I don't, t- <laughs> I don't feel comfortable. This is all true. I don't feel comfortable talking about this, about Jason. Burning bread. Yeah, because, you know, I'm like, hey, man, he might be back. And I'm, this, this, is, this is LeVarrington's exact words. Hey, man. I talked to the doctor. He ain't coming back. He...
3: He ain't coming back. He ain't coming back, so it ain't no need for us to all be out of the place. I
0: said, man, we in the hospital room. <laughs> he right here. <laughs> yeah,
3: hey, man, he can't hear anyway. us. He ain't coming back. <laughs> he, gonna, he gonna die anyway. He going die anyway. R.I.P. We love I, you, I, with R.I.P. But ain't no reason for us to keep suffering... Rest in power, up bro. ...cause you of here. <laughs> LaVar continues D. D. on. Can you deny... Can you deny these allegations? I, I, I'm, you know what? I could deny them, but I think it's way better to own them. I'm gonna own each, each thing that y'all <laughs> said. I'm taking ownership over both of them. I just can't believe you're sitting hey, you sitting here acting that fox like. Logo? And I know you. Hey, hey, y'all I, see that fox <laughs> logo? Y'all thought I was playing. I ain't playing.
2: Look, I know your guy, <laughs> Michael Parsons, is on the Cowboys. And, and that, that's a guy you have mentored and, and, and developed and loved, but and, and I know you don't want to breathe any negativity into the air. So l- let's not pretend like we're not talking about Dak and the Cowboys. I'm just going to ask you again: guys in locker rooms mm-hmm. talk about the money people make, but, and if but, somebody
3: no, isn't performing, you got to understand they, they have been losing together. they have been losers together. If you're in a winning locker room, what you're saying holds a whole lot of weight, right? Like if you're in the new England Patriot locker room, you see what's going on with TJ Watt in Pittsburgh right now. They win. When you're talking about winning organizations, you are 100% correct. 100%. But Dallas, they've lost together for over a decade or so, right? You're talking back to the early 90s. The early 90s is the last time these guys were winning, early to mid 90s. So you're talking about generation of generation of guys who have lost as Dallas Cowboys. And I get that because I played in an organization that has had generational losing, right? You don't look at things the same. In fact, you praise a guy for being able to get paid in such horrible conditions. We ain't winning. So if you getting paid while we ain't winning, you can't sit there and look at the guy next to you and say, oh, he just got awarded a contract. Oh, he doesn't deserve his money. We've been losing together. Them, Them playoff games we've lost, we lost them together. So you got guys that have been there, that have been a part of that losing. You got new guys that don't wanna be a part of the losing that probably believe that that can be the answer I need him to be the answer. I don't need him to not be like, I don't need to focus in on what was, I'm here now. For someone like Micah Parsons, they're looking at it like if I do my part, I look at what Dak Prescott could possibly do. We got a chance to be able to do something. I don't think there's anybody in that locker room that looks at Dak Prescott as not the franchise guy for this this team. So if you have that scenario planned out, there's a whole lot of relevance to what you're saying. But this is a losing organization right now. Everybody's looking for a win. And if you can look at Dak Prescott and win in certain cases off the field, you know, what he represents as a personality in your community, you're going to take those wins instead of trying to replace that because it's comfortable, it's safe, and everybody's looking for that win. So I don't think anybody's looking at Dak Prescott like he's not the franchise guy for the Cowboys. You don't have to convince the whole league that. You just got to make sure everybody in that locker room believes that. What happens tonight, Cowboys, Buccaneers? I think it's going to be a better game than what people are thinking it's going to be. I know the the line on it is eight, eight and a half or something like that, seven and a half, eight. I, I do believe that Tampa Bay will win by more than one possession. So they'll need, you know, Dallas will need more than one possession to win the game. Uh, but I don't think that so it's going to be I don't think it's gonna be a slaughterhouse loss. I don't think it's gonna be, are we questioning Dak or questioning Mike McCarthy after the loss? I think that it will be that they just were not the better team on tonight.
0: If he was on the telephone, you just put it down and just let him keep talking.
2: I really do. And that that is what I do. But listen, the man just said I think it's gonna be a better game than what people think. The line is eight. Yeah. I think it's going to be a two-possession game. He went out on yeah. the limb, didn't he? So what he just said, it's, go, it's going to be exactly what Vegas said it is, a two-possession game. It's going to be exactly what we think it's going to be. Tampa's, I mean, uh, Dallas isn't really going to be in this thing, and they're going to lose by two possessions. That is 8 to 12
3: points, 8 to yeah, 13. Yeah, but that's, not, no, a, that's not a blowout, though. That's not a blowout.
0: Jason. You could still lose by, you know by what's that. You know, what's what? Go ahead, go. you know what's happening with LeVar? What? You know what's happening with LeVar? What? LeVar knows that there's another position opening up at Fox at that betting show. He trying to show that he can play the betting odds, too. Did y'all see what I just did? I <laughs> said the
3: line. I stated the line. I said what Vegas is thinking and, and did it concisely. And I talked a whole lot for all my radio people out there. That's That's what I do. I try to get on here yeah, and perform. You, do, you, you definitely, know what I mean? You, you,
2: and you are performing. Uh, yes. Do you think Tampa's <laughs> gonna repeat as Super Bowl champions? I don't. I don't even think they're
3: gonna make the Super Bowl. That's very good, mm, Who you like? Who you like in the NFC? I like I like Green Bay to go. I think Green Bay is gonna go to the Super Bowl. I think it I think it makes sense. And I don't think the Chiefs are going to the Super Bowl. I made my predictions today. I believe the Ravens and 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 the Green Bay Packers will be in the Super Bowl.
0: Ooh, Lamar. I'm, so, I, I'm sorry, Lavar. It seemed like we 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 having a bad connection. It seemed like we're about to lose you. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna
2: really, tell you. you the, I'm gonna get to this I'm other. Sorry, Chief, There's man. one other thing I want to talk to you about in depth. But I, I did. I saw your notes where you think Jameis Winston and the Saints are actually going to win the division over. Uh, the Tampa yeah. Bay
3: Buccaneers. I think, the I think they have a South. chance. Why? I think they have a chance because of seeing – again, I think people under undervalue what Jameis Winston brings to the table. If you're looking crab at legs. his – Well, I mean, <laughs> crab legs under the table is creative, but it's it's kind of <laughs> – it's stale and old, though. It's probably as stinky as an old crab leg that he used. Uh but I think that, in, in terms of what he's been able to accomplish, production-wise, you take that and you get a, you get away from those turnovers. I mean, that that you don't. Here's the difference between what 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 Jameis was in Tampa Bay and what he is in New Orleans. In Tampa, they were looking for Jameis to be something that he's not, which is an uncontested leader. He's a leader, but he's not the leader of leaders. He's, he's not a lead-alone leader. He needs a leader on top of him like, like uh, Sean Payton. So he's not in a position where he has to, to put himself in, in a position to be something to these other players that he's really not. So now all he has to do is focus in on being a quarterback, and I think that for him that's a relief for one, and for two – you know the expectations are are kind of it's there's different spectrums of it. A lot of people don't know what they believe Jameis the win Winston will be, and to me, I think that the talent is unquestionable. His, his his arm talent is unquestionable, and and to me, I think that the play calling and the strategizing, uh, the methodical you know approach to to game plans by Sean Payton and his coaching staff, I think is second to none. So I believe that Jameis has an opportunity to be very successful uh, with this team. And after having a year to, to learn it, I, I really think that they have a strong opportunity to actually win the division this year. It, it, it's a, I hope you're right, because I, sometimes I like
2: Jameis, but it's an it's a odd thing that he could be in Tampa and they could be dog piss. They changed quarterbacks and win a Super Bowl, and somehow now he's going to go to New Orleans, where when he just uh, there was addition by subtraction in Tampa. Subtract mm-hmm. Jameis, put a quarterback in that doesn't turn the ball over, we win a Super Bowl, and somehow he's going to go to New Orleans and perform better because Sean Payton's a better coach than Bruce Arians or who?
3: who well, no, I'm not I, saying I, he's a better I hope coach. You're right. I'm not saying he's a better coach than Bruce Arians. I'm saying that Jameis Winston had one season with Bruce Arians. Bruce Arians still was dealing with, with, with a loser culture mentality as well. If you keep in mind, Jameis had three different head coaches during his time there. Three. You know how formative your young years are? He, I think he spent, what, five years there? In five years' time, you had three different head, uh, head coaches. I can't, hold, I can't hold everything on Jameis on this one. That's culture. And you know what Bruce Arians had to do? He had to change the culture. Now, if he had given Jameis more time, is Jameis able to do it? I don't know. Maybe not because the damage had already been done. But you bring in a winner like Tom Brady with the amount of talent that they had, all Tom Brady had to do was get people on the same page and get them believing. Are you going to believe Tom Brady? I'm gonna believe Tom Brady. So he got them to believe. And that changed the culture. Everybody's not going to be able to change a culture like how Tom Brady helped change the culture with Bruce Arians. You don't have to do that in New Orleans. They're already winners. They already expect the win. They already have a winning culture. And so by putting him in that that area and him knowing what his role is very clearly, he took a whole year, humble pie for a whole entire year. And just learned and just and and figured out what New Orleans was all about. And now, even now, had to win the job over Taysom Hill this this preseason. I think Jameis Winston is primed and prepped and in a great position to be a positive contributor. So much so that they may win the division. Let me get to my final
2: uh, point. Is he done? Yeah, he's done. He, he's done. Okay, it was, it was Jim. That was yeah, actually good stuff. Uh <laughs> yeah. yeah. Cam Newton is going to yeah. have a little video. I wouldn't call it a press conference. He calls it Funky Fridays. He got some things he wants to get off his chest. This is going to be tomorrow. He said again. He says he's got some stuff he wants to get off his uh, chest. What do you
3: think he'll say? What would you like to see him say? I think he'll address COVID. I think he'll address possibly the reason why he, he lost the starting job in New England. I think he'll give some type of explanation. I think the pride that he carries um, may may lend to him wanting to clear things up as to how it ended for him in New England. I think he'll be very strategic because I don't think he wants to, to burn himself and not be able to possibly uh, catch on with another team. I think that this quarterback situation is is a real carousel situation in the league this year. So I think that he's going to play it safe, play it close to the vest. If I could have him say whatever it is that I would want him to say, I would honestly just have him be gracious about the opportunity because in, in all in all, you know, New England, for good or bad in this last situation – they did give him an opportunity when no one else did. And they also gave him the opportunity to win the starting job. Keep in mind, in all of this, Jared Stidham should be the one going on his IG Live, giving i a, a, I'm going to tell y'all how I feel about my feelings as the way things have gone down in New England. But we don't see him doing that. So for me, I just think that, I would be gracious. I would. I would advise him to be gracious and be kind about his time in New England, and just looking to the future, and and stand stand really ready to go and poised to to be a starter for somebody if the opportunity presents itself.
0: Hey man, it's been thirty one minutes and thirteen seconds. I've had to sit here and listen to all that. Can we please get down to the real reason that we had you come on this show, LaVar? Tell me. Tell me. Can we please talk about these doggone? What's these doggone Ball State? Remember Jason talking about how great Ball State's gonna set the NC, they're gonna the college on fire. Can we please talk about Ball State and Penn State? Please.
3: Do you want to do that? I, I, do you want to do that?
0: <laughs> Did, have you heard this man talking about Ball State? <laughs>
3: Uh, you, are I you still going Pins- to the game? <sighs> you probably don't want to go see that. That should tell you something, that. LeVar. Yeah, it, you don't want to go see that.
2: I, I watched uh, y'all knock out Wisconsin and Madison. Took a little wind out of my sails. Uh, yeah,
3: you was talking <laughs> bad to me, and then I ain't, I ain't seen no text messages all week.
0: <laughs> He's good at that. Look, <laughs>
2: hey,
3: I remain confident. sometimes. I remain confident.
2: I'll just say that uh, we saved our energy against Western Illinois. I hope. I think we were looking ahead to Penn State. And why would you do
3: something like that? <laughs> why just, would you look ahead to Penn State? Because <laughs> look, at am scratching my head. I'm looking forward look. to fighting Let me think Brock my Clinton. way through this one. <laughs> Let me think my way through this one. What do I say about the yeah, ball? Yeah, I got to be careful. But, uh-huh. but
2: I feel I feel confident we're going to have a great season. Uh, I feel confident we'll be Penn competitive
0: after,
3: after
2: the yeah, Penn state I, we'll, game. we'll be competitive in Happy Valley. I can't no, wait to watch no you the game.
0: You won't be competitive At home. How many how many how many touchdowns you think you'll lose by? You'll keep it within Spread how many? We is 22. <laughs> we, I feel we'll very confident we'll
3: cover. We'll beat that. I feel very confident we'll cover. We'll beat that. We'll, we'll, That's we, your we win. We'll cover. And, That's your win. huh That's your win no, 22. That's no, your win. No, that y'all no. cover. No. Y'all won't cover. Y'all will not cover. I'm just we telling you.
0: Dude, He, he. you ain't going to give me, you ain't giving him I'm 24 points. I'm trying to help points.
3: you. Nah, he's, I'll give <laughs> you the 22 right on this show. I'll give you the 22. Yeah, I know. We're we going to make a
2: bet tomorrow. Hey, We're man, gonna, take, take them right.
3: 22 points
2: right now. We, we, we gonna, we'll make a bet tomorrow because I'm going to bring LeVar back on tomorrow to talk about uh, tomorrow's, uh, I mean, tonight's Hi-hi, Thursday Jimmy, Night Football. He's yeah.
3: bringing me back on. He's bringing me back on. <laughs> Take that, Jimmy!
0: But you're not cutting my pay <laughs> like you want to cut Dax.
2: <laughs> All right, we got to go. Great job, Levar. Thank LA. you so much. You, thank you, thank man. You, man. Right. Still got to figure it. out his hair, dude. I, I can't. I don't. You can't
0: figure it out. How you gonna figure uh,
2: it out? I don't know. somehow we got to figure. He's like Cam Newton, man, with the hair. Yeah, they, 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 you know. All right. All right. We got that new package yesterday. Jim and I see <laughs> we got that new raspberry cheesecake over there. They also sent us. Two of their other new products as well, their coconut marshmallow, which is low in sugars, with only six grams and only 130 calories, and their new coconut almond protein balls, we talked about their latest peanut butter brownie flavor yesterday as well. Both of these pack the same great taste and flavor punch that you get from other protein bars that they provide. And when you order these online, you also get the opportunity to get the next great flavors before they are available to everyone else. So stop waiting and order these right now. Go to built.com and use promo code FEARLESS to save 15% off your first order. Use promo code FEARLESS for 15% off at built.com. Greg Couch.
0: They're really good, man. They're really good. I'm not kidding.
2: All right, welcome back. All right, Uncle Jimmy, it's time for your favorite sports columnist Chicago's very own uh, small college tennis coach, Greg Horshack Couch. (laughs) Horshack. What you talking about? Mr. Carter, Mr. Carter, Mr. Carter. Oh, Mr. Carter, Mr. Carter. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, that's who his hair is starting to look like. He really do.
2: You, you, you're, you're really showing our age. We're referencing Welcome Back, Carter. To, to me, Greg Moore looks like, uh, Greg, I don't know if you remember uh, the show The White Shadow, uh, the head coach <laughs> of the basketball team for The White Shadow. I think his name was Kim. Ken. I would go Ken more than
0: Horshack. What, what you so? You calling him the White Shadow just cause he the only white dude hanging around me and you?
2: No, no, no. I'm. Greg, you saw the White Shadow. You, I know you saw the White Shadow. Come on, Greg.
0: I got sunshine <laughs> on a I mean, cloudy day.
1: Yeah. That's well, you got to get complete- naked to sing that in the shower. Say that again. That show was completely insulting. I mean, it's just a ridiculous premise of this white coach in there. You know, my mom had a crush on the white shadow, by the way.
2: Why is it a ridiculous? <laughs> Why is that a ridiculous premise? I see white coaches coaching black basketball teams all the time.
1: I mean, it's like it takes some white guy to come in there and, you know, be hip with the k- black kids. Uh, I don't know. It's just it's it's very cliche. It was it was embar- It's an embarrassing show. Are you kidding me?
0: No, that's very real. I don't want to talk to you. You can't teach me anything if you... Come on, man. Do you Look at Steve Kerr. <laughs> Look, Steve Kerr wasn't accepted <laughs> until he learned how to roll blunts. <laughs> There's
2: probably some truth to that.
0: But, man, The White Shadows, one of my favorite shows of my childhood. I mean, Greg is going to start losing points to me if he don't stop making little acidine statements yeah, like that. that. That sounded very woke, Greg. The you White Shadows, a classic shirt.
2: television show. You yeah, just called he, me horse. That's welcome I'm back,
1: call- Matt.
2: Yeah, that's welcome back, Carter. Uh, which was I, an okay show. The White Shadow. I think I own all. I think three seasons of The White Shadow <laughs> I own the box set. I think. I'm pretty, on Beta, huh? On Beta? No, I think it's on DVD now. <laughs> I think it's on D. Anyway, uh, Greg has uh, written a piece going after uh, my, one of my favorite targets, Nike. Okay, okay, and he's 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 added Naomi <laughs> Naomi Osaka to Nike's body count of the athletes that Nike has has basically killed. Naomi Osaka announced this week she don't know when she's playing tennis again. She's been mentally crushed, and and Greg. Anyway, I don't hey, want.
0: So before yeah. Greg gets started, do you remember when Greg first started? When he first his like his first column with us, he's like, oh, I I teach. I teach tennis and this and that. And he was just a real bland guy. Look at him now. Look at him, what? (laughs) Spitting fire. Yeah, he needs a haircut
2: and he's spitting fire. He's going after Nike. Greg, you explain your take on Nike and
1: Naomi Osaka. Well, I mean, I just think we've created a monster with, with Nike. I mean, Naomi Osaka was ready to replace Serena Williams as the big star of tennis and now she's walking away, you know, crying and throwing her racket and angry. Three years ago, she beat Serena in the U.S. Open final, and everyone just thought she was this adorable woman and you know uh, the darling of tennis. And now, you know, here we are. She's throwing her racket and throwing ball into the stands and uh, crying and saying, "I don't know when I'm ever going to come back." You know, I mean, it really reminded me of watching that uh, documentary Tiger on HBO uh, because we saw where they talked about Tiger signing when he was 20 years old with Nike. And the executives there were t- having a meeting and saying, you know, should we play the race card or how do we what should we do with Tiger? And they said, yeah, the race card. This is a lily white sport. You know, we can really grow an audience and, and make him the black superstar of golf. And it really wasn't a role that he was particularly prepared to, to, to take on. I mean, yes, he was a black golfer, but that's not really what he had in mind and then they start talking about there's still clubs where i can't play that became a big advertisement and there was one where he was walking with uh, teddy rhodes who i think won six black u.s golf championships And, and it was sort of his ghost he was walking on the course with and they just turned him into this racial you know figure that i don't think he was prepared for so he goes on the oprah winfrey show and she says well do you like it when people just call you the Black Golfer? And he says, "Well, no, no, he's bothered by it. And he invented his own term, Cablination, Caucasian, Black, Indian, Asian, and that's what he sees himself as. So he just wasn't comfortable there. And I think it really led to a lot of the mistakes he made because of the, you, you, you know, what Nike's doing is they're creating, creating athletes. They're not just an image. They're actually creating an athlete. They created Tiger into something that he wasn't, and they made him uncomfortable, and he fell to pieces." And I think they did the same thing now with Naomi Osaka. She went from this darling quiet 19-year-old beating Serena Williams to someone who's, you know, wearing a different mask and Black Lives Matter and and a different mask for every black person who she feels was killed unjustly. And you know, it's just not <laughs> she that's not who she necessarily is and you you have to be yourself. And so they created her they made a lot of money on her. She's a Japanese-American woman, and the Olympics were going to be in Tokyo, so they said, this is great. You know, We can really prime her, pipe her, you know, make her a big deal. And uh, they did it. They got all their money, and she fell to pieces because that's not who she is, and we may never see her again. It's sad.
2: Great. I, you're hammering an excellent point and a point that I've been... Jim, you can go all the way back to Fox Sports or anything I've written at ESPN... Uh, Over the last decade, I think Nike uh, has been the leader, and then I saw the same documentary as Greg talking about, about Tiger Woods, and I'm like, man, they've been doing this for a long time. It's more pronounced now in terms of baiting their athletes, either LeBron James, Colin Kaepernick, Serena Williams. Hey, everybody hop in this racial lane, and everybody become this social justice warrior, Uh, And we're all fighting injustice. And and I just think, like, for Muhammad Ali, that was authentic. He was a part of the nation of Islam. That was a religion that was really about black liberation, black nationalism. It had a political point of view. These multimillionaire athletes today... They don't have a sophisticated political point of view. They have a financial point of view. They have a how can I gain Twitter followers and social media followers point of view. But I've tried to explain to people, and Jim, I think this is something you can relate to, and maybe Greg is something you can relate to as well, but I grew up poor. (laughs) But I had no clue that I was poor. And, I've tried to explain that about LeBron James. It's like, oh yeah, he, he grew up poor. But about 10 or 11 years old, people discovered like he's got an unlimited amount of athletic potential. And so all these people ran to help LeBron James. And because they wanted to mine that athletic talent, and they just wanted to get him across the finish line to the NBA so they could all make money. And so he didn't live the, the life of a typical poor child. But even if he did, I'm not sure if he would even be aware of it in, in terms of like what that means and what impact. LeBron James, has, he's 35 years old, I think now. And my argument is, since the age of 12, the last 23 years, he's lived at least, if not before that he's lived a very privileged lifestyle. The dude was driving a Hummer in high school. This is not some typical poor kid. And I look at Naomi Osaka, and and I'm like, "Uh, this is a little Japanese, black, Asian, Asian girl that grew up on a tennis court most of the time. That's where most of her time and energy. I look at Simone Biles. You can't be that kind of gymnast without being in the gym most of the time around other little privileged kids, predominantly white we talk about tennis and gymnastics, but somehow now they're these racial spokesmen for, the, for poor people of color and all the And it's all fake BS. And I'm not surprised to see uh, some of these guys carrying this heavy burden that they're not built for, guys and girls, and they fall, fall completely apart.
1: I think the, the, the evidence that it's fake is LeBron James, right? I mean, he's a social justice warrior who can't have the nerve to stand up to Nike's injustice, social injustices of China. I mean, that's the perfect proof that he's not hes not legitimate, he's not real. I'm gonna have to put this on parenting though. I mean, I'm, I'm sympathetic if you grow up poor and someone's throwing unbelievable, ungodly amounts of money at you, it's hard to not take it. But when you instill the value system that money is what makes you a good person or money is what makes you a happy person, I just think that that's a doomed to failure. I mean, you, you can't just, Like, my son is a musician, right? If I had pushed him into being a business person or an engineer like all the suburban parents push their kids into being, he would have been a failure. He would have been miserable. He would have been what we're seeing Naomi Osaka do. She's not genuinely herself. My son's a musician. He might struggle financially. He's going to struggle financially. But he's going to be happy anyway, I think, because he'll be himself. And this whole ingenuineness of... You know, it's all about money, or I'm not a good human being. I mean, that's it. Really comes down to people believing that.
2: Another excellent point, because I tell people this all the time. I can remember sitting in class at Ball State University, and again, I'm just gonna say I grew up poor, and and particularly, I just grew up poor, and so my aspirations as a college graduate were never to be rich. I never had plans on, oh, I'm going to be a millionaire one day. I sat in a class, and I can remember our professor told us he worked at the Philadelphia Inquirer previously, and he made like $68,000 a year as a reporter for the Philadelphia Inquirer. And I I said, oh, my God, (laughs) I'm going to be a sports writer, and probably by the age of 40, I'm going to make $70,000. And I just thought how happy I would be. And all I'd do is write about sports and talk about sports, and I'd make $70,000 by the time I was 40 years old. And that's, when I graduated college, that was my goal. I had no idea you could make considerable wealth in this profession. And, and, and so I, I basically just executed my game plan, and the the wealth and all that came, came with it. But, but I, I see so many people their whole life and every decision they make is built around how much money will it put in my pocket and 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 the corruption of, of values and the things that, you know, they make you pretend that you stand for and then you find out, well, with this money we're giving you, uh, <laughs> you gotta fake this and then you can't do this. And, 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 These people know they're living a lie. And so I'm not surprised. Naomi Osaka is like any other child TV star that crashes and burns from the fame and pressure and too much responsibility being put on them, getting out over your skis as an athlete or as an intellectual and a thinker. And the next thing you know, you're living a lie and you're unhappy. Jim, did you
0: have? Greg cut you off. Go ahead. I no, I, I just, you, you were speaking earlier and you spoke about Ali and, you know, and we called them warriors. You do realize that this Naomi Nasaki and uh, what, 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 what's the other little gymnast name? Simone Biles. Simone Biles. Uh, uh, even, even Cherry Richardson. These aren't warriors. Even, even Colin Kaepernick. These aren't warriors. These are victims. These aren't, these aren't social warriors. These are social victims that are accepted by society.
2: A lot of truth in that. And, again, you can't be a warrior if you're always looking to be a victim. And that certainly applies to Colin Kaepernick. I think it applies to what we saw from Simone Biles. Uh, you know, I, I, I do... I, to, you can be... Uh, an honorable victim, an unintended victim, not knowing what you're getting into, because society, has, Nike is the end-all be-all. Everybody wears their shoes. Everybody uh, wants to be a spokesman for Nike, and that's the, the definition of making it. I'm a spokesman for Nike. I've got some huge contract with Nike, and I don't, I don't blame these young people for not understanding what all comes along with that, that you're gonna have to sell out and become a fake person to be a spokesman for them at the highest level. W- where Greg, I think you make an interesting point about parents, I-, I looked at that Tiger documentary and as much, and I still have a lot of respect for Earl Woods and I know he didn't you know, give Tiger a balanced life, but I looked at that and saw how Nike overran- overwhelmed Earl Woods. Earl Woods, I don't think, based off what I saw on the doc, he wasn't that comfortable with Tiger being thrown into this race lane either because he knows that's not who Tiger is. The guy wants to be Cobblin Asian, and I don't blame him. We ripped this dude for saying he's Cobblin Asian when he actually is. Mm-hmm. And he didn't grow up in the hood around a bunch of black people you go watch any of the documentaries he's out in the suburbs he ain't, he, ain't, he ain't really his friends wasn't black for the most part and then all of a sudden Nike says you know what we're gonna make you the next the Muhammad Ali of golf and you're breaking down all these barriers and and it's not authentic to tiger and so I do I, I can't say what percentage it played in what I think was an identity crisis for Tiger, uh, in terms of falling in with the whole sexual promiscuity and just finding his identity and in, in, in banging uh, strippers and whoever. Uh, and again, I, look, I, all of us are capable of having that identity struggle, uh, you know. but for the grace of God, uh, there still go I uh <laughs> i was about to say <laughs> i'm just i'm I'm. anyway greg do you have any additional
1: thoughts I, well two quick th- Well, one quick thing is i think the weaker the person and the more naive or the younger the person the easier it is for nike to go get them right that's the easier victim to to go get and start they're more malleable and they can create whatever they want to create out of these people but actually, on a different note, the word Asian actually played a part. Uh, of I, It was part of my story because I was uh, I was at the Chicago Sun Times and Oprah's show was there at a Harpo Theater in Chicago. So she invited me and this guy from the Chicago Tribune to come watch. Hey, Tiger Woods just won the Masters. You want to come watch the filming? So I went there and she showed me around and her in the cafeteria and all. And he said, "I'm a cablination." And so I started uh, thinking, well, he's this is a black golfer saying he's not black. And, and so I actually wrote the story on a Tuesday, I believe, and the show was taped for Thursday. So the story came out in the Sun-Times that he said that in something I wrote before it came out on Oprah's show itself. So it was on Dan Rather and, you know, Howard Stern, and it went all over the place nationally. I think Greg is bragging right now. I was going to say,
0: I thought you said that all of Greg's greatness came from you. Greg was great long before he ever met you. Yeah.
2: Greg, I so think in other words, Greg
0: was on Oprah's couch before you. Almost.
2: <laughs> they didn't give him a microphone. They gave him a notebook. I got a microphone. I got a
0: notebook.
1: But the funny thing about this is that they called me that day, Oprah's people, and said, Oprah's furious with you because you, you turned this into a race thing, and she didn't really have an intention of that, and, and she was really mad. It wasn't the way it was supposed to be. Then two days later, the show was on, and it got amazing ratings because it had gotten so much national publicity that the Oprah's people called me back two days after that and said, you, you can come anytime you want. You can have tickets for your wife and you, and we love to have you here anytime you want.
0: <laughs> mm, great. Yeah. I take it you've never seen The Color Purple. <laughs> <laughs> Have you ever seen The Color Purple? Uh,
1: I've seen... Uh, no, I haven't. I've seen clips of it because of the scene Okay, singing. I was
0: saying, just don't lie. Don't lie, Craig. You ain't got to lie, Craig. <laughs> Listen. So, t- therefore, I take it you've never seen Oprah's character in The Color Purple.
1: Again, I've watched clips on YouTube, but no is the answer. Okay, Greg,
0: I want you to know Oprah knocks the hell out of this white man in the movie. Okay, <laughs> okay, Oprah ain't nothing to be played with. Okay, now, if she was mad at you, you are lucky you didn't get that work from Oprah. <laughs> <laughs> oh, she was real. She was really nice, boy. She okay? Oh man. All right.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Greg. Thanks. All right, Uncle Jimmy's going to react to, or he's going to have me react. Which headline is real and our approval rating X. If you enjoy wine and you're tired of drinking the boring $10 grocery store bottles, you need to try the extreme altitude wine that comes from the mountains of Argentina. Imagine pouring a glass with your dinner that comes directly from the highest vineyards in the entire world. That's six to 6,000 to 9,000 feet in the air. What does all this mean for wines? A flavor unlike any wine you've ever tasted. Blackberry, leather, smoke, and little dark cherry. This stuff packs a punch, and nature does all the work. That means no days, no no dyes, no flavor additives. The guys over at Bonner Private Wines have cracked the code when it comes to getting these rare wines to Americans. The best part? They've cut out the middleman. You won't deal with any big industry markup Visit BonnerPrivateWines.com slash fearless, and you'll get 50% off the wine and 50% off shipping. Just visit BonnerPrivateWines.com slash fearless. That's BonnerPrivateWines.com slash fearless. All right, welcome back. Uncle Jimmy's got a new little gimmick he wants to try. You got gimmick some headlines that a you gimmick a gimmick. You got something, hey man. I like.
0: I, I like to I like to call this picking your knowledge. Picking my knowledge. I, 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 picking this, my knowledge. Yeah, yeah this is, this is my way of seeing. You know, letting people giving them a a, a look inside the demented. i mean, inside the mind. Okay. And so you got headlines.
3: Yes.
2: And you're going to give me uh, <clears throat> options,
0: a multiple choice it's, it's, it's just real simple. Oh, yeah. I, 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 I'm going to give you, uh, I'm going to tell you a story, and all I want you to do is tell me which, story, which headline is true. All right, go ahead. It's, it's just real simple, okay? Yeah, all right. All right, and I'd like to start with Ivermectin. Ivermectin. Okay, you know, Ivermectin is the medicine that Joe Rogan and and and, and Jimmy Dodds. Uh, uh, Alex, uh Alex Jones, everybody's taking this. But oh, Ivermectin. Yeah. Let, let, let me just put it like this. If you are speaking about Ivermectin, you probably believe that the earth is flat and you believe that 9/11 is an inside job. <laughs>
2: Okay, let me just. Put I don't it like, know how to respond to that. I just, I just. Doesn't YouTube get real crazy when
0: you yes! say the word ivermectin? Exactly. Ivermectin, so now, ivermectin. So so now, yeah. in order to purchase ivermectin, so, <laughs> I love this. In order to purchase ivermectin, some places have now said that you have to a provide a picture of you and your horse. B, you need to provide a copy of the birth certificate of your horse. C, you need to ride your horse to the nearest pharmacy of your choice. Oh. Or D, you need to find a teacher or a clergy willing to certify that you are hung like a horse.
2: <laughs> I guess I'm, I'm disqualified. <laughs> um... uh, Which one is true? You probably got to provide the birth certificate of your horse.
0: Okay, Jason, take a look at this right here, man. What? Let me show you what you have to have, man. What's it say? I can't see. You you have to show a picture of you and your horse. Oh, all right, picture, not a birth certificate. Uh, Yeah, you have to show a picture of it. So I just need you to know, I've already had my bout with COVID. You ain't had your bout. So just in case I need you to know, I done came up with your, I'm going to let you use a picture of my horse that I use. Uh, Chris, can we show uh, that picture of Jason just so he can know how he gonna get his medicine? <laughs> <laughs> I'm just letting you know I got you. I got the, I got you taken care of. You oh know? man,
2: that looks like Tony Soprano with Pile mine.
3: <laughs> <That's> remember
2: <laughs> remember pie mine? Yeah. I <laughs> got <And> Ralphie
0: killed. <laughs> hey man, will y'all please t- uh, t- take a still shot of that? Jason's gonna want that hung yeah. in his office. All right. All right, let's keep on going here, man. Yep. Uh, you, you know, uh, we we got this deal going on in Afghanistan with the Taliban.
2: The Taliban, yes. We, we got the Taliban going we got on. hostages over there.
0: Okay. All right. So now they done took yeah. over. I, I need you to tell me which one of these is a the true headline that's happening over there. All right. Hold on. Taliban allows Bible. Oh, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> Go ahead. Hey, a. What, what? What's happening? Since they done took over, if they allowed Bibles throughout mm. Afghanistan? B. They've allowed the women of, of Afghanistan to twerk in public from sundown to sunup. Mm. Or the Taliban immediately paints over and removes murals of George Floyd.
2: <sighs> they didn't allow Bibles and they sure aren't allowing twerking. So that only leaves. They, they've, they've done what we should do. Take down murals of George Floyd. Hats off to the Taliban. They're making real progress over there. Here you go. Man. <laughs> I know they ain't passing out Bibles, so, and I know they ain't letting twerking going on. All
0: right, man, let's keep you moving. Yeah. You're absolutely right, but you're doing pretty good here. You're one for one. All right, let's go to our girl here, man. Naomi Nasasaki, right? Naomi Osaka. Okay, Naomi Osaka. You know she had another breakdown.
2: Yes, yeah, she did. And, we and talked we, about that we, with We Greg,
0: talked girl. about that with Greg. Okay, now, and you know, I always say that with these young athletes, it, it, it's, their, it's their support group. It's their peers that's around them. Okay, so she had a breakdown. Let me ask you something, Jason. Do you think that she had this breakdown in public? Do you think that they, A, sought medical help for the young? This is advice her friends gave her? I'm asking you, she, she had a breakdown in public. Yeah. Did her friends, did her support group, did they seek medical help for the young lady? Okay, I'm sure. That's A. Yeah. Or did they B? did she call up her girlfriends and decide that she wanted to get turned up for the weekend? Maybe, Maybe she decided she wanted to seek some black girl magic.
2: Hmm. I could, I could definitely see that.
0: Okay. Or let me ask you this. Maybe they took her to a public place full of a bunch of people she didn't know and handed her a loaded firearm. Which one you think is the true story? I think
2: they most likely, they should have, had her seek medical help. You know they didn't do that.
0: Why didn't they? Let's see what we have here. What's the true story here with this?
2: Jim, you're acting like I can read it.
0: Jason, (laughs) Jason, they took this woman to a firing range and handed her a loaded firearm and told her to release her stress. Mm. All right, well, she's pro-Second Amendment.
2: That'll get her kicked out of the woke mob. She's out firing guns. Good for
0: Naomi. You want to do one more before we get out of here, man? I, 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 yes. Go Let's ahead. do one more before we get out of here, because I, I love this one. Be quick, but don't hurry. All right, man, this one here is why Jason hates, Jason Whitlock hates LeBron James.
2: Why I hate? Now, I can answer this one, but go ahead.
0: Okay, first of all. He's a fake, woke Mother. Anyway, go ahead. Stop, (laughs) man. First of all, some people say that you hate him because he claims to be the chosen one. That's probably true. And everybody knows, everybody in the world knows that who's the real chosen one? Jason Whitlock. No, no.
2: Don't do that to me. That's blasphemous. But go ahead.
0: All right. (laughs) Or is it the fact that you're upset at him because he has 300 more Twitter followers than you do? That ain't it. That's not it? Yeah. Okay, how about this one? How about the fact that his backup dancer is dating Adele? <laughs> you just called Rich Paul a backup dancer? Yeah. I mean, he ain't LeBron. I mean, if it was LeBron dating Adele, you'd be like, oh, I can. You know, it's like Justin Timberlake's backup dancer dating Adele.
2: <sighs> now, Rich is more than
0: that. Can we see the clip first? To To see? Come on, man. What? Hey, How'd how that make you feel to see your girl sitting courtside? Well,
2: I, I'll just say this. You as bad as Corey. That's like two-month-old news.
0: <laughs> well, I've just now been able to get it. I need to know how you feel about it. Because, see, you downplaying the fact of how big of an Adele fan you no, I'm are. I'm a huge Adele
2: fan, and Adele hung out at uh, Wally's okay. in, in Beverly Hills, and I'm sure that's where her and rich paul connected because rich paul hung out at wally's so but you hung out at wally's i know i know so how'd you let that slip past you because i was never in there at the same time as adele had had we been there at the same time and plus you got tomorrow works at uh wally's you know i so so you couldn't have been no what's that song called pissing in the rain or no <laughs> <laughs> setting fire to the okay rain. okay no Tomorrow works at, at Wally's, and so it, with Tomorrow there Adele. You
0: did you did, with Tomorrow there you didn't have the Adele freedom. Adele
2: pales in comparison to Tomorrow. You you didn't have the freedom no, that you I'm, thought you was gonna have. I'm with just say I was I was distracted. You know. Okay. Tomorrow sings real good too. Okay, but uh, anyway. she can set fire to the rain as well.
0: Okay, I got you. <laughs> good job, Jason. Thank you, man.
2: <laughs> All right, can we get to our job performance for, uh, not job, approval rating. Approval rating. For uh, Daiquiri Prescott Fitzgerald. Uh, this was always one of my favorite things on Speak for Yourself. Jimmy always analogized Daiquiri Prescott Fitzgerald to characters in the movie Glory. It uh, <laughs> So I was looking forward uh, to this. Uh, I got Dak uh, job performance at a 14. He only played like five or six games last year, uh, and he's coming back off a brutal ankle injury.
0: So I got him at a 14. Okay, first of all, I need to let you know I am a big Dakery Fitzgerald Prescott fan. Nah, I, I'm not making fun of this brother because we made fun of this man. We called him Cooter Kente. We made you cut. No, no, why we you weed? Getting, we weed. made fun of him getting weed. his foot foot chopped off. Is there a off, rabbit in your look, pocket? And look what the hell! <laughs> look, look what the hell happened! Is there so, a I'm not making, a Look, man, weed. I ain't making fun of Dak. I give him a ten for job performance. I give him a ten, Jim. I, I will say this about uh, you: got remember your job and remember his job.
2: Your job is to make fun of people. His job is to throw touchdown passes, so just remember that. Uh, Character. I I still am high on (laughs) Dak's character. I'd give him a 20.
0: Uh, I give him a 25. I'm higher than you are on his character because I believe that he is a character to the highest right now. Right now, he's playing that role of that soldier that never say die. He's playing it to the end right now. Mm -hmm. (laughs) You hear him tonight, watch, watch. if the camera's there tonight, when he get ready to come out, he gonna be like, now mans, (laughs) if if and we dies by the muzzle of the gun, or if we dies by the vaccine, (laughs) it don't matter, we's mans, ain't we?
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> Have you seen Dak do the little uh the, the, the pregame warm-up yeah. where he yeah. <laughs> shakes his shoulders and- he, he,
0: he do that little yeah, yeah. Like, yeah like 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 he didn't really wipe his booty too good <laughs> and he don't want to grab it. <laughs> he,
2: yeah. So he's he's walking up with smelly fingers before. <laughs> Is that what you basically saying? He who goes to bed. Anyway, uh authenticity, uh you know, Dak is pretty authentic. You know, I got him at
0: an 18. Yeah, uh, I give him a 25. He, he he's he's true to the game, man. He he's a soldier. Jay he's Joe. a soldier. Yeah, he's he's Jerry Jones. Yeah. Hey, r- right now, man. Right right now, he dimzell Washington glory. He, 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 he done took the. He gonna keep going. <laughs> he gonna keep. An, ah, he gonna keep it going. I'm telling you, he, he he's authentic.
2: <sighs> well, I ain't much for talking. <laughs> Denzel played the real low-key. in Glory. I ain't really much for talking. Anyway, I, No, no I, no,
0: I mean, but, you know, if you ask if you ask a lot of these players right now about Dak, they'll say, like, what do you think? They'd be like, shoes, sir. <laughs> Boy just wanted shoes for the rest of the team. <laughs> <laughs> Glory is one of my favorite movies. I may watch that this weekend. All
2: right, It Factor. Uh, I've got Dak at a 15. 15- man, you're
0: down on him on It Factor. Hey, man, you... But the man running on one wheel, what you expect, man? (laughs) Come on, man. Come on, man. He he running on a stump.
2: (laughs) There there you go with the Kuta Kente jokes again. Uh, Somehow we... Oh, no, I've got him at a 67, which is a grease fire.
0: And I got him a candlelit. Candlelit. All right, we'll see what happens. That gonna need need some candle wax on his nipples to light a fire into his head tonight.
2: (laughs) Go very quickly before we go, who who you think wins tonight?
0: I'm going with Dak.
2: Over the Buccaneers. Yes. Time breaker. Yes. All right. Play tomorrow.
0: Hey man, look here, man. Put your money on black. <laughs>
2: <laughs> Let's put your money on Dak. That ain't the same, as Brady. Ain't the same on, as Brady. Put your money
0: Put your money on Dak. Put your money on black. All right. We'll see you tomorrow. Freedom. Looking for a breakout, feeling like a standoff, nothing in life, like freedom. Came like a fighter, striking like a ladder, making all this moves for freedom. I want freedom.